the Sunday Sermons Podcast. So as we continue through this uh, series called Listen to the Spirit, little by little we're going to talk more and more about how to listen to the Spirit. We're going to try and get more and more practical. Uh, You'll hear some of that today. And also we're going to continue to focus on what the Scriptures call the fruit of the Spirit. I think it's really important to remember that as we do this, these fruits are visible, tangible things that the Spirit produces in us. They're not just feelings. And a lot of those words that that, that Paul lists as the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, that's one of the biggest misunderstandings because we normally name feelings with those words. Love, you feel love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We, we tend to see those as things that we kind of generate in ourselves and want to have more of, want to create more of. But what the Holy Spirit is offering is to create things in us that are bigger and deeper and wider than anything we could create on our own. He's actually trying to make us like Jesus. And the way you can tell that happens is because we act differently, no matter how we feel. Are we good so far? Is this making sense? All right, that's so important because as Shola Richards says, and we we looked at this a couple weeks ago, we are defined by how we treat each other. Not just how we feel about each other, what we believe we should do for each other or with each other, but how we actually interact with each other. And so as we go through this and we listen to the Spirit, it's important we remember this. For example, the last several weeks we looked at several of these already. One is joy. So we become the people. We become the kind of people who naturally, supernaturally notice and enjoy and focus on what is truly good. What's truly good in other people. Even if not everything good, everything in them is good. There's nothing, there's no person on this world that everything is good about them. But when we treat other people like we are constantly looking for and noticing what is good about them. That, that's who we are. That's how we do. That's something the Holy Spirit does in us. And the same way through each one of these, peace. People, we become people who pursue peace in the biblical sense, that we're pursuing wholeness and unity. We're trying to create systems where the lost are found and the broken are healed and brought back into our fellowship. We become patient people, which doesn't mean we're just not easily irritated. We actually act with expectancy. We wait with expectancy. We're constantly expecting God and other people and ourselves to come through somehow. We, we supernaturally become naturally that kind of people. Brendan Manning says, in every encounter, you either give life or drain it. This is another one you've already heard. You'll hear again before this is all over. But I think that's so important. I'd love for you to say that out loud with me, if you would. This isn't scripture, but I believe it's truth, and I'd like it to stick. Would you say this out loud? In every encounter, you either give life or drain it. And the scriptural sense of kindness is that part of the fruit of the Spirit that's all about giving life in every encounter. It's, it's such a deep concept that some translators actually created a new conglomerate word to try to say it. If, if you've got some older translations that you still read and love, which I do as well, um, you, you'll hear the word loving kindness. Anybody remember that one? It's this long, great big word, loving kindness. That's this word, 
and it's also translated several other ways throughout the scriptures, even, even old translations. But it's this idea of kindness. It's something that's, it's a relentless goodness, a relentless trying your best to breathe life into every situation and into every person that you meet. True loving kindness and unfailing love is where we focus completely on others. We focus completely on what needs to be done, not about our feelings about it, not about whether we think they deserve it or not, not whether we think that maybe it's somebody else's job instead of ours. We just focus on them and what needs to be done and we get it done. True kindness is given freely. It's not... It's not about getting something back. It's not about paying something back. But as we'll see in a few moments, and you probably already know, but we'll notice this together in a few moments, true kindness almost always is given back because we're wired to do that. The most natural and the most supernatural way to respond to true godly kindness, loving kindness, unfailing love, call it what you want, the most natural, appropriate way to respond to that is to not only respond back in kindness to the person who is kind to you, but to pass that kindness on. And that is exactly what the Holy Spirit wants to produce in us. It's people who respond to God's kindness and respond to everyone around us in that same way. It's not the exact same word, but it is the exact same root word in the same concept that Paul is talking about in Romans 3.12. This is one of the sadder verses. He's talking about how much we need God, how much we need his spirit to change us. He says, they have all turned away. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. The word that's translated good there is, is maybe better goodness or kindness or loving kindness. It's the same concept that we're talking about today. I don't know if anybody besides me, it's been a long time since I've heard this song, but do you remember a little chorus that used to be sung back in the, I know some of you weren't even allowed, alive back then, back in the 70s, 80s, it went like this. Thy loving kindness is better than life. Does anybody know that one? Sing it, sing it with me if you would, just one time. It's a good verse and we're going to actually put it on the screen in a second in a different version. Thy loving kindness is better than life. Thy loving kindness is better than life my lips shall praise thee thus will i bless thee i will lift up my hands unto your name yeah hey good job you guys that was good so i, I we should sing that sometime that's a, that's a good song but that comes from psalm 63 and it's where they are worshiping god for this being one of his innate qualities one of the things that makes him who he is in the New International Version, it says, because your love, that word love is the same word, hesed in Hebrew, it's translated kindness, loving kindness. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name, I will lift up my hands. It's not the same word or even root word, but it's the same concept here that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 5. When he says, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. These guys were legalistically perfect, but they were not the kind of people who naturally responded to the kindness of God by being kind back to him and passing that kindness on. 
He's expecting that kind of a change, that fundamental change. That's how we could be more righteous than them, is we're different kinds of people. You tracking? Good. Jesus, again, same chapter, a few verses later. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Remember each one of these things that we're walking through, each one of these fruit of the Spirit. This becomes the, the family resemblance between all of God's children everywhere. Jesus goes on. He says, he, your father in heaven, causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. Once again, the original word is so important. It's the Greek word teleos. You probably don't care, and that's okay. But here's that, that idea of perfection. When we hear it in English, we tend to think there's no mistakes. There's no, you absolutely never fail. And that's not really what it means. That, that perfection, that word teleos, what it really means is mature, complete. You grew up. You made it. You become what you're supposed to become. And in this case, you look like you feel like, you smell like your heavenly father. And as you go through life, you are breathing life into every situation rather than draining it. This is what Jesus is calling us to, and this is what the Holy Spirit empowers us to do as his children. Jesus also said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. Do you see that family resemblance in this son and his example? For my yoke is easy, he says, and my burden is light. Believe it or not, that word easy is also the same root word as kindness. It's the same concept as loving kindness. And that's kind of weird because a yoke, the thing you put on two oxen so they can pull a ply, plow, how is that possibly kind how is that loving but what he's talking about is it's the way they would make those is they would fit them to each individual cow each individual ox it it, it fit exactly to them there's the, the the farmers would tweak those things so that it would fit exactly the shoulders of each animal in the pair it's, it's the concept of what Jesus is talking about is, is he's fitting everything. He's noticing you as a person. He's noticing you as an individual. He's, he's working. He, he knows what's best for you is that you actually do something, that you serve. He's calling you to do something, but he's fitting it to you. He's empowering you to, to do it in a way that's going to bless you as well as the people around you. And once again, we see Jesus modeling the kindness of the Father, modeling the kind of kindness he calls us to, modeling the kind of kindness that the Holy Spirit empowers us to live out. And this is, I, I, again, I can't stress enough, this is on a supernatural level. This is not something that we can just squeeze out somehow if we concentrate hard enough. This is something the Spirit does. But it's actually something that all human beings really 
can aspire to do and, and can get at least somewhere down that road. We can take a couple of steps in that direction, even on our own strength. And sometimes we just don't try. We need to, and every time we try to do something like that in, on our own strength, but we do it in honor of God, he can bless it and multiply it and, and do much more than we can imagine. I, I'd like to point out a, a survey I saw about recently called the Kindness Challenge. It's created by someone named Shanti Feldhan. She is a, um, a social research, I can't say that word. Let me try it again. Social, so, hold on, social researcher. You try and say it, it's hard. Social researcher, and she's the author of The Kindness Challenge. It's a great book. It's a Bible study. It's a lot of great things. But at the heart of it, I, I, I would love to see you take her thing and actually read all her stuff and do it. But here's the heart of it. We're actually going to use that kind of as an outline to make this as practical as possible. But in her 30-day kindness challenge, she says, if you want to fix your relationship with one person, do this for 30 days. Does this sound good to anybody? Okay, then pay attention. This, this actually works. She said 89% of everybody who tries this, it works, it improves the relationship, even if the other person doesn't respond how they want them to. Okay, so almost everybody. <clears throat> Excuse me, let's try this. Here we go. First thing, for 30 days, say nothing negative about that person. Not to them, not about them. Nothing negative, even if it's true. Even if you think it's kind and you're trying to, to just point out something in love, you're speaking the truth in love. Anybody get, get guilty of that sometimes? Okay. <laughs> I love you, Jeff. <laughs> but, but even if, just for 30 days, for 30 days, it's n nothing negative. Nothing negative. Second thing, <laughs> you can do this. Second thing, second thing. Every single day you do say something positive about that person to them or about them or both. And third thing is, for 30 days, you just do something kind for them. Physical thing, somehow. You give them a lollipop or a corn dog or whatever it is that they might think is cool. You, you do something nice for them. Don't say anything bad. Do say something good. Do something good. 30 days. And what she's found is no matter what religion the people are that drive this, what belief system they have, what the issue is, when they do this, they change. That's why the relationships get better. You start noticing what's good about those people. You start noticing and you find the joy that we're all wired to find but rarely do and actually just acting kindly. But the, again, the Holy Spirit calls us to something much more than something we could do on our own. So we're, let's look at those same three basic concepts together, and let's see how God can help us to unpack those in our life. The first one is stop saying unkind things. Would you say that out loud with me? And, and let, let's, let's own this. Say it to me. Say it to each other. Say it to your own soul more than anything else. Ready? Here we go. Stop saying unkind things. Let me say something. I want you to hear this really clearly. There is never a good reason to say unkind things. I'm going to say that one more time. There's never a good reason to say something that's unkind. Now, there's often, in fact, very often, speaking the truth in love is something that is going to be awkward or something painful. 
Sometimes when we speak the truth in love, it, often when we speak the truth in love, we're going to have to figure out some way to confront somebody that we love, that we're actually trying to be con- con- kind to. We're trying to connect with them in a way that's going to help them be better and, we're, and, and it's real and it's not necessarily a compliment. But that's a completely different thing than an unkind thing. Are you with me? There's never a good time ever to say something that's unkind. Speaking the truth in love can be awkward and painful, mostly for you and for the other person, but it can never be, it must never be cruel or condemning. Again, we follow the example of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Do you hear what he's saying there? We're all sinners and we need to be saved. That's not necessarily nice, but it's loving. And listen to the next part. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. It's not necessarily a great, nice thing to say, hey, you guys need help. You guys are sinners. You need somebody to take the punishment that you actually deserve, which is death, for you. But he steps in with his kindness and takes it for us and opens up a whole new world. And that's a whole different thing than being cruel or condemning. There is never, ever a good reason to say something unkind. So stop saying unkind things. Uh, If you can't remember that little quote from me, here's one from Thumper the Rabbit. Remember Thumper the Rabbit and Bambi? I love that scene where he first meets Bambi and he says, he's kind of wobbly, isn't he? And his mom says, Thumper, what did your dad tell you this morning? Some of you could say this out loud. Some of you are going, Bambi. Bambi. But he says, if you can't say nothing nice, don't say nothing at all. Okay? Everybody remember that one? That's good advice. Through all the English people out there, it is two double negatives in a row. But I'm trying to be kind. I'm trying to be positive here. It's memorable. I love that line. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything. Okay? Even a rabbit, an animated rabbit can figure this one out. So just don't say it if it's wrong. It's unkind. James 1, 19 and 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For human anger, listen, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Even if it's true, even if you're right, human anger doesn't produce the righteousness God requires. You can speak. You Sometimes you need to speak the truth in love. We're about to go there, but you should never do it in a cruel way or an unkind way. That's not the same thing. Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Again, that, that applies to swearing, that applies to taking God's name in vain, it takes a whole bunch of stuff, but it's a whole nother level if you pay attention. It's not just saying you sit and say dirty words. It's saying there should never be anything that comes out of your mouth unless it's intentional trying to build someone else. It's actually wholesome. It's not just unwholesome. It's wholesome. You're just not avoiding high fructose corn syrup. You're drinking 
apple juice or something. I, I don't know what the alternative would be. You're, you're, it's not just unwholesome, it's wholesome. So let's say this together. Four words, say it to your soul, me, everybody else. Here we go. Say more kind things. God's children, listen, this is a family resemblance that should mark all of us. God's children are quick to listen. We're slow to speak. We're slow to become angry. If that's not true, it needs to become more true. Something's broken and wrong if that's not true about every single one of us. We are quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And yet, part of our job is to speak things that help others, that build them up. We're supposed to say things that are an attempt to meet their needs. Our conversations with them should be loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind. See where this is going? We'll stop at kind because that's where we are today. Ephesians 4.15 says, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. There's that mature idea again. The perfect, like your heavenly father is perfect. We actually, when we speak the truth in love to each other, we're helping each other become mature, grown up people that look and feel and smell like our heavenly father. Almost everybody who's seen Bambi remembers that funny line that Thumper says all by himself. But a lot of us forget what happens right after that. His mom makes him say that, don't say nothing nice, don't say nothing at all. But then she goes, okay then. And then all of his, go back and watch it again. It's even on YouTube if you don't believe me. The very next thing that happens is then Thumper and all his little brothers and sisters, they surround Bambi and they go, come on, get up, try again. You can do it. And he stands up and he walks. That's even more important than not saying the nasty stuff. If it, do more kind things. Here we go. This is the third thing I need you to say out loud that's a point. Okay, here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Do more kind things. Because here's the truth, and you know this. Actions speak louder than words, right? And kind actions speak a lot louder than kind words. Kind words are important. We just, there's no way around. We can't follow the teachings of Jesus and not intentionally say kind, wholesome, build others up kind of things. But actions are even better. Francis Chan is one of my favorite authors. As we start to turn the corner to wrap this up today, I'm going to mention him twice. I love Francis Chan, and in his book, Forgotten God, which is all about the Holy Spirit, he opens up with this story that he tells way better than me, but the idea is he, he goes to be alone with God to seek God's will for his life. So he does it the way he imagines that everybody should, the way that he likes it himself. He gets some coffee at a coffee shop, gets a blanket, goes to the beach, lays it out, sits there enjoying creation, says, God, I want you to speak to me. I want to know what your will is for me. And he got this overwhelming sense that God is talking back to him and God is saying, uh, aren't you cute? You and your little coffee and your blankie and your little muffin. Meanwhile, there are people all around the world that would die just to have breakfast this morning. Meanwhile, I told you there should be justice in this world. I told you you should help the poor. What do you mean what's my will for you? And I'm telling you right now, one of the things that will help you know the Holy Spirit's voice is it's almost always going to be something surprising. It's not going to be what you think that it is. 
Remember I told you you'd get really practical? This, this has been getting really practical. As I've learned to recognize the Holy Spirit's voice, and I'm still learning, we're all still learning, but one of the things is it's almost never something that I would have thought of on my own. But when, it, when I hear it, I know it's right. I somehow, even if I don't like it, I just know. I'm telling you, that's one of the defining ways. The Apostle John writes, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Uh, this past Wednesday, I got to dig really deep with a few of you in the story of David and Mephibosheth. If you haven't read that, there's just, just that story is there. Uh, I'll read this one idea. This is that word hesed in the Old Testament. It's, it's the same. It's loving kindness again. But in this part, David has recently become king, and he says, Is there anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? It's a wonderful moment. At that time in history, all kings were expected to just kill off and completely destroy any possible heir to the throne of the king who had preceded them. And this in and of itself is a huge act of kindness. But what it's in response to, and if you could go back and read in First and Second Samuel, if you want to find it, go to BibleGateway.com, just type in the word Jonathan, and you'll, you'll be able to see the whole story really easily. But I'm telling you, this guy Jonathan is actually a better character than David. He's one of the most kind people I've ever seen anywhere in any story or in real life. He embodies this loving kindness so perfectly. And him and David had made a promise to each other. They'd made a covenant that them and their generations to come, all of their children and their children, would be linked up. They would be like family, love each other like they loved themselves. And when Jonathan was killed, David is doing what he's doing there in response to that kindness that he had experienced from Jonathan. It's a supernatural thing that becomes a natural response when we encounter a supernatural level of kindness. Paul writes in Romans, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? We led the same verse last night and highlighted the word patience. This is in there too. God's relentless love, whether we deserve it or not, he's doing that not just so we will, but definitely hoping that we will respond. And pass it on. Romans 11.22 makes that a little clearer. Paul writes, Consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God. Sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you will be cut off. He expects us to bear this fruit. Colossians 3 Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Notice that you can't do hardly any of this stuff without there being a close relationship. That's important. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and to be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, 
singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. This is why we worship together. This is why we have this weekly big group thing where we sing together, where we commune together, we give together, we, we pray together, we walk through God's word together because we're commanded to do this and this is how we get stronger. This is also why we have smaller groups that we're now calling growth groups because we want to remind you if you're a Sunday school class, a home Bible study, whatever group you are, youth groups, kids youth groups, whatever it is, the, God wants us to grow. To grow numerically, to grow spiritually, to actually grow this fruit. And we have to be in a big group and a small group to get that job done. That's why we're having this big thing today. That's why all these new groups are starting. And, and I just can't tell you how much, how important this is. We're literally inviting everyone to join a smaller group of people that's going to help you walk through life together. The last of this part of the passage. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. Francis Chan, one more time. He tells two more stories in Forgotten God that I'd like to highlight today. One is uh, about uh, a pastor that he met in Maui. And this guy has his church on the beach. Wouldn't that be fun? He just sets up lawn chairs and the backdrop instead of something built. It's just the ocean. Wouldn't that be fun? And this guy, but he, he, has, he had, has a story where he was driving along one night and God told him to go to this other pier. It's at night. And God, he, he, he was like, that's so weird. But he just, he could tell that God was leading him. He goes to this one space and then, so what else? Go out to the beach. So uh, it's a great story. You should read it yourself. It's awesome. But here, here's the point. What happens is he, he ends up on this pier with one woman who was there and she was about to commit suicide. And he's able to save her life because he listened to the spirit. And then Francis tells a story about himself where one time he's at a coffee shop, which is something I love about the guy. He's got good taste in what tastes good and what drinks well. But he's, he's at a coffee shop and as he leaves, he notices this one guy and he feels like he's supposed to say something to him, but he doesn't and he leaves. But then the spirit just overwhelmingly reminds him, you just got to go back and talk to that guy. So he goes back to talk to this guy and he says, I, I, I don't even know what I'm supposed to say, but I felt like God just wanted me to tell you that he loves you. Is it, that might seem really weird. And the guy goes, that's not weird. I don't believe in it, but it's not weird. And that was it. And Francis is like, so what do I do? What do I say next? So he says, oh, okay, well, have a nice day. And he goes away thinking, what in the world was that about? But this is what I'd like to leave you with this morning as we start to wrap this up. I love this point, and it's so true. I think it's so true, and it's one of the things that shortcuts us from hearing the Holy Spirit. It makes us doubt that we're hearing him. Are you listening? Please pay attention to this. Francis says, sometimes, and I'm, uh, first, first, two things, two quotes from him. Number one, did God ever ask anyone to do something comfortable? That's a Bible question. Anybody know the answer to that? No. The answer is no. Might not be the Holy Spirit if it's asking you to do something that sounds really comfortable and fun. Just throwing that one out. Second quote from Francis. Sometimes it's just about obedience. Sometimes it's just about saying, you know what, Lord, I really will do anything. 
He said he'll never know what fruit that might have bore in that guy's life if there was. But here's what he knew. He slept well that night because he knew he heard the Spirit of God and he did what the Spirit told him to do. Period. And when we're obedient like that, that actually, when we show kindness, even if it doesn't make any sense, even if there's no visible response, little by little, you're going to start just becoming that kind of a person. You're going to recognize that voice in your life. Now, we're already known here at Morrison Hill for being a kind church in many ways. And I'm thankful for that. I'm proud of you guys for that. I think that's great. But I sense that God is calling all of us to something way, way more. Way bigger, way deeper. That we would absolutely be defined, not just in our hearts, not just among ourselves, but in our community and in the world. People just know. When they think of kindness, they're like, oh, you mean like the people at Morrison Hill. I really believe that's something that God is calling us to more than ever before. And I'm asking you to listen to the Spirit as individuals, as families, as groups, as groups of friends, as one great big group. Listen, because he's going to be telling us that kind of thing. We need to keep making it true and make it more true every day by our actions, by the things that we don't say, by the things that we do say, and the things that we do. Bare minimum, if you just want to get started, pick one person to be kind to. Try Shanti Feldon's 30-day challenge. Pick one person that you're having trouble getting along with. Nothing negative, something positive. Do something positive for 30 days. Watch what happens. But on the way, listen to the Holy Spirit because he could take it to a whole nother level. Join a growth group. We're having a big extravaganza about it today. I don't know what the Holy Spirit's calling you to do today, but here's what I'm asking you to do is to respond to that. Say yes. Say yes. Let's sing.